everybody, and welcome to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host from Newstalk Florida, along with Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson. Gentlemen, it has been a while since we've gotten back together, and uh, since that time, there have been a whole kind of slew of different appointments made by President-elect Donald J. Trump. And uh, your thoughts, guys, on um, some of these appointments we've uh, seen made by the president-elect. Well, let me start. Let me start. Let me start. Go ahead, Tom. Okay. Best, best I know you would be excited. <laughs> he, the, the man, you know, I, I was I was for most of the election season a a never Trumper. I know. And and began to drift his way only toward the end when I found the alternatives to be either folly, voting for Evan McMullen, or just not tolerable, voting for Hillary Clinton. So well, I, I know ultimately... that Jill Stein appreciated your vote, Tom. So that yeah. So I yeah, she can recount my vote as often as she wants. Okay. So at, at any at any rate, I I held my nose. I pinched it as hard as I could, and I did black in the 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 Trump bubble and set up a prayer, hope for the best. And I am liking his appointment so far. I I think that uh, that. Personnel is policy, and I, the, the, the appointments that he's made in, in sessions for AG, uh, most recently uh, Price for HHS. I mean, you, you, he actually put a doctor in place who, who knows what medicine is about and who has actually grown a medical business at the, the largest uh, orthopedic surgery uh, clinic uh, in the South, I believe. Um, I, I like uh, – uh, I like his appointment to transportation, Elaine Shoa. Um, I just, I, I think he's doing a good job. I, I think his appointments so far uh, certainly rise to the level of of giving giving the lie to the idea that this guy is going to run a a rogue administration that is outside the norm of American politics. So there. Joseph, your thoughts. So we have Tom to blame for all of this because he he <laughs> bolted in the end and voted for Trump. He was the one Thanks, that pushed Tom. him over the top. He was, you know, people were out there going, "Well, what's Tom going to do?" And then when you did I, that, they were, they were, and they followed um, you like lemmings. You know, right over the cliff. Um, the the cabinet post that. I know Tom will be utterly shocked that I uh, I don't agree with him on is uh, Betsy DeVos as education secretary. Um, this is a dangerous game that they're, that the Republicans are playing. And this is right out of the Jeb Bush playbook. Uh, he started it, the whole voucher system, the whole school choice system and all of that, which, you know, as you sit there in a theoretical vacuum and talk about it, Sounds really good. Oh, we're going to go help the, the, those in the failing schools, and we're going to give them every opportunity to succeed until you find out that it really doesn't work. And what charter schools will do and what Betsy DeVos is a champion of is funneling public school money into for-profit charter schools, many of which are not nearly as good as the public schools that the people will abandon. But somehow, as we see in Tallahassee, managed to make certain well-connected people to the legislature a lot of money. So I am uh, extremely dubious about that. 
but I also acknowledge that elections have consequences. And this is, you know, the people have spoken. They asked, uh, they, they chose Donald Trump to be uh, their president. And I always said it wasn't Trump who scared me as much as the people he would surround himself with. And uh, this one is a big, big uh, red flag for me. I'm uh, not, uh, I don't think this is going to end well at all. Are you guys surprised at all that he has surrounded himself with so many military people? Well, especially since he knows more about ISIS than the generals. Why would he do that? <laughs> he went to military school. Come on, he's 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 at home <laughs> a, among those among those military guys. That was, I think he, that, was his I, per, that was his personal Vietnam. I think and I I'm, would worry though, Tom, if he if he dons a uniform, if he actually comes well, out on his first day as president wearing a uniform, um, I, I'm going to be a little concerned. Generalissimo Donald Trump. <laughs> well, you know, he's he's watched the Dirty Dozen, I'm sure. So what else do you need to know? Sure Trini Lopez. <laughs> um, no, actually, I would hope he would surround himself with military men because obviously Donald Trump uh, has a – The easier to a, stage a coup, right, Joe? Yeah, right. I was thinking uh, the same thing. You just have to walk down the hall. You know, uh, his learning curve we is pretty high. we got to take this guy out, Mattis said. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, make, Joe. Make it, make it look like an accident. He tripped on his ego. Um, That's right. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just – but seriously, folks. Um, That's why they have need the Oval Office for a circular firing squad. Yeah, he he needs Can't hide in the corner. to to uh, he needs all the military acumen he can obtain because on uh, January twentieth it stops being theoretical and starts being real. This is true. What about who do you think will get state? Do you think it'll get be Petraeus or do you think it will be Mitt Romney? And if so, why? No, you go. It's a three part question. No. SS. Okay. Well, I don't know if it'll be Petraeus, but I would I would uh, wager uh, lunch with somebody that it won't be Mitt Romney. I think this is a public shaming of a guy who was a great nuisance to Donald Trump in the campaign. If he were to choose uh, Romney, I might applaud that because it would show that he was capable of rising above, you know, the the campaign gutter. But Clearly, uh, Kellyanne Conway signaled the other day that it would not be a popular choice in the inner circle. And um, the other thing that I would wonder about Romney, you know, uh, why would you – yes, it's Secretary of State. Yes, it's a massively important job. And you can argue that Hillary Clinton swallowed her pride and, and went to work for Barack Obama. But, you know – this would be astonishing um, for for Romney to do something like that, and I'm I'm not seeing it. But you know, I didn't think Trump would be elected, so I'm just going to watch football for the next four years. <laughs> oh, come on! The Reds are going to be better than that. You need to watch them at least four months a year. Maybe in spring I, training. Okay, all right. Well, um, I. I as long as it's not Giuliani, of of the four names that I hear mentioned most often, as long as it's not Giuliani, I mean, Rudy 
has sprung a leak. Uh, Rudy needs to be need, Rudy needs to go back to what he was doing before, which was selling whatever services foreign governments in the Middle East thought were useful to them, and and continue to do that. Resume resume that career. Um, and if I mean, I think you can make a really good argument for I think you can make a, a, a really good argument for Mitt Romney. And when Kellyanne Conway says that it goes on the shows and says, you know, this would not be a popular pick, I just I don't know anymore how much of this is real governance and how much is shtick. How much is is it Donald Trump say, saying to Kellyanne, go out there and say it wouldn't be a real that, that, that it would be unpopular within the ranks because then it makes when I pick Mitt, it makes me look like I'm my own guy. Nobody's telling me what to do. Um, I mean, I, that's I mean that's as plausible as any other scenario, right? With this guy, um, I, yeah. I I I think I think David Petraeus is a brilliant guy who's put his foot in it big time, but I don't think that he put his foot in it any bigger than Hillary Clinton, and she got 65 million votes, um, won the popular vote. I don't care what Donald Trump about millions of illegals voting. That's just crazy stuff. Uh, Petraeus again, bright guy. Um, and, and I, I think would run a forthright uh, State Department. The, the 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 dark horse in all of this, unless his name's been removed this afternoon, and I missed it, is John Bolton. Um, Bolton and and Trump don't agree on whether going into Iraq was a good idea, um, and and that is a tough place to start from. But if they could if they could set that difference aside and say okay. But let's look at the world as it is and go from there. I mean, Bolton is a guy who knows Foggy Bottom inside out, and he knows where the subterfuge is. And it's the the role of the next uh, Secretary of State needs to be clearing out. I mean, talk about swamps that need to be drained. Foggy Bottom is it. Uh, clearing out the the uh, the subterfuge and the backbiting and the people who undermine Republican presidencies would be a great place to start, and John Bolton could be the guy to do it. So give me any of those three. Um, I think I would go for Romney, Petraeus, and I would rather have Michael Bolton before I'd have John Bolton as uh, <laughs> Secretary of State. Thank, um, thank you for jumping in there, Jim, on that, because that saved me the the uh, having to rebut Tom with an, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me line of talk. Uh, I mean, he may Bolton. look good in a you know in a barbershop quartet, but no thanks. Uh, I'm not oh, I'm not man, going for the mustache harsh. in this one. Uh, you guys are harsh. We'll we'll, harsh. we'll give you we'll, we'll, we'll give you I, Romney. We, we gave you Romney. I mean, you know, he's a good guy. I mean, but I'll, let me ask I'll you a question him. though, I mean, Tom. If he if he, if, he, if, if he did a Bain Capital number on on Foggy Bottom, I would be fine with that too. So, ask away. I was just going to say, why is it that a number of, I guess it would be far-right conservatives, think that he is the um, the Republican equivalent of John Kerry. Why do they think Mitt is? Yeah. Is it just because they, they, have... they come from the same kind of stock or what? Well, that's, that's part of it. I mean, he, he's got that tall patrician look to him. Uh, I, I imagine he speaks a little bit of French. Um, he he came for money, God. even though he. 
even though even though he made money on his own. Um, but but I also think that uh, that the that the right wing um, of the Republican Party has really bought into the to the idea that if Mitt had wanted the presidency more, if he had really dug in and fought hard that last month of the campaign, that he would have won. Um, and I, I and and so that because he didn't, um, his 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 shrinking ways, his his New England not wanting to get his hands real dirty, uh, sort of posturing, cost them cost the right wing, the the White House, and we had to endure four more years of, of Barack Obama as president. Um, that's that's as close as I can put my finger on. I mean. Anybody you talk to from that side of the party will say, I think Mitt Romney – I worked hard for Mitt Romney, and I think it would have made a really good president, but – and then they just go off on a harangue on him that, that he didn't try, that he tanked, that he, that he tanked the, last two, uh, the last two debates, that he let Obama off the hook, and that uh, they just don't think that he has the fighting instinct to, to represent conservatives in America. So there. Did they think that in the first place? I mean, because I, uh, the way some of them talk now, it's hard for me to believe they were really in on him all the way to begin with. They were. He was the best of the alternatives. They didn't okay. love. They they didn't love um, uh, Mitt the way they would have loved um, maybe Newt if he had been the nominee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, because he was he was dragging around. The uh, the the Romney Care baggage. He couldn't really mount a proper fight against Obamacare because of that, um, and and so they were okay. The alternative is it was, it was for for a lot of Republicans. It was almost like the same scenario this time around. The alternative was, well, you're going to vote for Barack Obama. You're going to vote third party. No, I'm going to vote for this guy. Um, and they will tell you, well, we think he would have made a pretty good president, but they weren't really sold on him. But you know what? Ann Coulter, who was gaga for, for Trump from the get-go, thought that Romney hung the moon. So who knows? Who knows? I don't know. We are, we are, a, weird, we are a weird bunch on the conservative side of the spectrum. At this point, I'm not going to say that you're not. Um, that was Tom Jackson – Joe Henderson's about to speak because I cut him off again. Go ahead, Joe. Yes, you've, you've I heard got him taking that a breath. Thing, man. <laughs> um, I want to go back on the education secretary for a moment because um, we forgot, I forgot to mention that I guess Betsy DeVos is a better choice uh, than maybe uh, Donald Trump's original choice, which – Jerry Falwell Jr. says was him. He said Falwell said that Trump offered him the job and that um, asked him to give at least four years, uh, if not six. And Falwell said he didn't want to leave his his you know uh, Liberty University to go do that. And uh, that makes me. Well, I've always kind of wondered about Mr. Trump's judgment, but that that's terrifying what could have been there. Oh, isn't uh, it the, yeah. That that would be an would have been an interesting. That decision. would have been are you bleeping kidding me? 
uh, and it has nothing to do with with anything other than the the stated aim of uh, Mr. Falwell and the people who enthusiastically back him to basically make their brand of evangelical Christianity a national religion. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that one, one of two things is going to happen in the next four years, guys. I really believe this is either that brand of conservatism will will completely take over and we will move strongly in that direction or it's going to be crushed like a bug because the outcry will awaken uh, the people who fell asleep during uh, Hillary Clinton's ill-fated run and uh, they will rise up and um, and defeat Mr. Trump in uh, four years from now. But I don't think it's going to go one way or the other. It's got to go one way or the other because the the stuff that we're hearing coming coming out of that the the bubble there at Trump Tower, when you start hearing this kind of stuff, you're going like, my gosh, who who has Donald Trump's ear at this point, and is pushing um, people like Jerry Falwell Jr. I that's that's absolutely frightening that a man about to occupy the Oval Office would would think to do something like that. Welcome to the. I said it so well. You have no comeback. Well, it's it's the politically incorrect <laughs> podcast with Joe Henderson, who just spoke, and the the presently mute, but not for long, Tom Jackson. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want any. I don't want any part of Jerry Falwell Jr. on that cabinet. No, but I. But but for you to extrapolate, Joe, to for you to extrapolate from there to a, a broader view of what the administration is going to look out and look like and what it's going to to, to seek to accomplish I I just and, and how that will redound to a politics in the next two to four years um, I I think that you are being a little uh, no not a little bit a lot extreme I think the things modular I, I think this country is too big to swing in one radical direction or the other with any sort of speed um, uh, unless unless uh, Trump governs outside the will of the people as broadly as Barack Obama did his first two years of the presidency, where he cost his party 63 seats in the, in the first midterm election and almost cost him the Senate and, and began the decimation of the Democratic Party down through the rest of the country. Uh, I, does, does Trump have the potential to do that? Yeah, I think so. I think he does. But if, if his focus is on getting the economy back on the on on solid footing, getting us moving toward three and a half to four percent growth a year for the first two or three years, people aren't going to care who is in the education, who's running education, uh, because frankly, it's not going to make much difference to them. Um, I, I think. I think the pendulum will swing, whether whether it's if, if it if it swings in any direction, it will largely be predicated on what happens in the economy, and what happens um, overseas. Uh, if we have a if if three and a half years from now, three years from now, when when candidates are beginning to, get to line up and and uh, Hillary comes out and says, "I'm tan, rested, and ready, I'm ready to go." <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I mean, she's doing. She's that 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 trial balloon is out there. This this uh, joining with this joining with Jill, uh, with Doctor Jill on the recount. Uh, they're saying everywhere this is this is Hillary getting ready to go to war again. Uh, but if 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 we are not at literal war, and the and the world is largely stable, and we are doing four percent in the economy, I don't see how you stop the Trump train in uh, in 2020. If, however, none of that comes to, to fruition. If we are if we are a mess in the world, uh, Russian adventurism is 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 moving along at, at a, a brisk pace, um, and we're still limping along at one and a half two percent growth, then it'll swing back the other way. But neither side is going away. I mean, I think it's I think it's fascinating that uh, that Democrats right now uh, doing their postmortems are doing what both parties do whenever they lose a big national election, and that is we need to do more of what we do. I mean, we need to be purer about who we are, and we need to get our message out better. I mean, that's that's just the nature of the parties. Neither neither side wants to do much admission of what really went wrong. I mean, the Republicans in, in 2012, their postmortem was, was seemed to be a, a frank and, and honest assessment of how they could never win another election if they didn't make nice with with minorities and immigrants and uh, and get the get the illegal immigration thing behind them. But guess what? Then along came Donald Trump, who ran against all of that stuff. Um, so I don't know. Well, the, the interesting that that uh, your point about uh, you know the. The Democrats now saying we've got to do more of what we do. That was, that is, ex- of course, exactly what Republicans said um, in 2008 and again in 2012 uh, that they that they had to get back to the roots. And um, so then they go out and and nominate and elect a guy who is not really a Republican. He he's an opportunist, but he's not a Republican. And yeah. so. So what I like, what I like hearing out of the Democrats right now is what uh, Representative Tim Ryan is doing with his challenge to Nancy Pelosi. And um, I think he is absolutely right that she is the wrong face at the wrong time uh, for where this country is at and that he is he is tapped in to where the Democrats screwed up. And when I was growing up, and and Tom, I assume when you were growing up, and Jim, the Democrats were the party of the people. The Republicans were the party of big business and and so on. And the Democrats uh, have been drifting, and and you can say Barack Obama's uh, part and parcel to this, that uh, they've been drifting into this whole elitist. We know everything. We're we're right. We don't have to listen to the little people tell us what to do. Well, the little people spoke very loudly on November eighth, and they said, "You know, up yours, basically." And we've unfortunately their solution was to put uh, a, a highly unpredictable man into the Oval Office, but that was the choice they made. I do think that if the Tim Ryans of this world 
can get this party back on track the way Bill Clinton did after the Democrats were pummeled by Reagan and, and uh, Bush won, uh, along comes Bill Clinton and says, it's the economy, stupid. And, you know, got, got, them, uh, got them back to where they needed to be. Uh, that needs to happen now. And I personally would like to see Nancy Pelosi retire. Uh, it's not going to happen, but I would like to see it. Well, Congressman Ryan's from Youngstown, and um, there isn't a more – I mean you could – if you're looking yeah. in the dictionary for Rust Belt, Youngstown is it. Um, that whole area, you know, originally I'm from the from the Pittsburgh area, that whole area of Pittsburgh, Youngstown, um, southwestern um, Ohio – or southeastern, I'm sorry, Ohio and southwestern West Virginia – is coal and and steel and you know manufacturing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's everything that has to do with that. None of which is there anymore. Uh, the coal is still there, um, but the manufacturing is gone, and uh, the steel has been gone for quite a while. So yeah, I mean, you know, I think Ryan has tapped into that. Uh, if you're going to do it, you got to blow it up. And I think you know, getting Pelosi out of there would make a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I, I do recall talking about the elitist situation. I remember um, having dinner uh, in Washington with some friends. Uh, and this is just, you know, at the beginning of the 2008 campaign and uh, people telling me what a wonderful book that Barack Obama had written. And had I read it yet? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I haven't read it. And they're going this is going to be the next president of the United States. And I go, because of his book? Because if that's the case, then Tom Clancy would be my president of the United States. But um, <laughs> at the time, you know, lightning struck in a bottle perfectly. And perhaps eight years later, lightning struck again um, in a different way. And, and and it's just, you know, when, when people usher in change, change is drastic, you know, Barack Obama was a drastic change at the time. There's no question that that uh, Donald Trump is a drastic change at the time. I I have no idea how this is going to play out, but it's going to be a very interesting circumstance. And guys, I know that uh, over the weekend, um, Fidel Castro died, 90 years old, um, the last of the the Cold War. Um, kingpins, if you will. And, you know, I know that um, Senator Rubio was quite firm about how he felt things should be handled uh, when President Trump gets in there with regard to what we should be doing with Cuba. Do you think, gentlemen, that, um, that we will see a new deal or no deal with Cuba because of um, the changeover in uh, in administrations, Thomas, have at it. You got this. Well, and then, all right. <laughs> and then I then I uh, will come in and clean it up. Oh well, you can do your best on it. Um, <laughs> I this this is one campaign promise that I hope Donald Donald Trump sticks by, and that is that there needs to be a a a new deal, a better deal. Uh, between the United States and Cuba, because the deal as it stands uh, promises nothing for 
the, the Cuban people except for the hope that things will get better. Uh, and I think that this is a rare historic opening. I, I know Roll is, is very much Fidel made over. I think that he has probably almost as much blood on his hands as his big brother does. Um, but he's not, he's not long for the world either. Uh, I'm, he's 85. I, 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 hear, I, hear not, I hear not good things about the, the Castro children who are running – who are essentially running the government. They are in charge of the various ministries, and I, from everything that I've read, are very much cut from the same cloth. Just to be clear, Tom, they don't have mm -hmm. to put anything in trust when their person is in charge. Just checking about that's the true. children involved. That, I'm just checking. That that that's true. It's it's amazing how if don't get me off the subject. But it's, it's <laughs> I am sorry. I just want to make sure that the Castro children didn't have to put anything in trust, but that the but the Trump family will. Just yes, just make it because sure. because because they own the country. They own the country, and the Trumps do not own America. Well, not well, yet. Well, wait a minute. But if, but yeah. but if, but if they did, you know that would that would make them like the oligarchs of, of that would put them on equal footing with the sheikhs in the Middle East and that okay. sort of thing. And, and so, <laughs> but no, I um just asking. Go ahead. That, I'm hoping that being 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 younger, that the that the the Castro children will be pushing for some sort of change that brings new hard currency into the country and that they are willing. To, uh, to to loosen their grip, uh, their their stranglehold on the on the poor Cuban people who have seen no benefit whatsoever from from uh, the opening that the that the Obama administration has made to Havana, um, and in fact we're told the, the the dissidents the known dissidents were were spreading word among each other don't go out of your house when when word of Fidel's death began to spread. Do not leave your house and celebrate. Just stay inside, shelter in place. You know, sort of like Ohio State the other day. You don't want to go outside and risk getting hauled off to the gulag because uh, if you if you go outside with a smile, you're going to be in big trouble with uh, with the police. Um, so, yes, I want Donald Trump to stand by his campaign pledge that there has to be a better deal for the Cuban people, or he is going to throttle um, the opening that that Barack Obama made. Uh, that said, he's a developer, and he loves the idea of, of hotels, especially hotels in exotic, uh, always warm locations. I mean, it would be – it would redound magnificently to all of the Caribbean if if Cuba and the United States could find some sort of, of footing that benefited both countries. But that benefit has to, as I say, redound to the Cuban people first, or we have to just go back to where we were and, and snarl at each other. Okay. Joe's got, to, Joe's got his brush. He's now going to clean up. Go ahead. Okay. Um, first off, I'm going to say something, and, if, and you're not going to believe I'm going to say this. Donald Trump may actually be the right man at the right time on this issue. I will let you pause to let that sink in. No, uh, I, 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 I tend to agree. I think, this, I think it's uh, Nixon going to China. It may well be. Go ahead. Um, an apt analogy. Because 
He is a deal maker. And this requires the art of the deal. What he has to do is tell the Marco Rubios of this world to butt out because they're sitting down there going, if they don't, we shouldn't do anything, cut any deal with these people because they are a totalitarian regime. And if they don't adopt our system of government, we shouldn't lift a finger to help them, which is exactly how we've had what now is it 60 years of impasse 50 years whatever it is mm -hmm. this 60. it ain't working ever, ever since <laughs> ever since uh, ever since fidel wanted to launch nukes at us yeah well you know the, the reason that, for the impasse everybody has everybody has a bad day okay he didn't <laughs> want to launch the nukes his, his buddy khrushchev wanted to launch the nukes because we like idiots invaded cuba to try to throw him out of power. That may make a man hold a grudge, I'm just saying. <laughs> but um, what we gotta do, I agree wholeheartedly with my friend Tom that the Cuban people deserve a better deal. And that's who I'm concerned about. You know, I'm, uh, I'm sorry for people who lost their property back in 1959. I'm sorry, you know, for all the, all the stuff that, that went on. There are atro atrocious human rights records in Cuba, stipulated, but we cannot change that overnight. And I don't think Barack Obama was trying to do that. I think he was trying to get an opening that now Donald Trump has an opportunity to run through the hole created in the line by Barack Obama. So uh, rather than go in and say, you know, we're going to blow this thing up, you can't blow up the deal. You just can't. We've got we've got commercial airline service starting there. We've got other lots and lots of other commerce starting there. And to just can you go in and just wave a hand and say, okay, you can, now we're going to end all that. That that doesn't make any sense. So maybe I, if Trump wants to bluster a little bit, you know, sure, okay, I I get that. But at the end of the day, I want to see the man make a deal that builds on what we've got now. And I think uh, if he does that, everybody wins. And uh, we have got to keep the residents of that island nation foremost in our minds for anything that we do and stop worrying about all this petty political nonsense. Thank you. I'm done. Not really, but all right, then. for now I am. Well, you know, you, you, raise, you raise an interesting point. Joe, about and I, I sympathize with people who had their uh, families who had their their homes and their farms confiscated, and and multinationals who had their their business property confiscated. Um, you know, very and and I'm not saying that it happened for the right reason. It certainly didn't. I mean, there was not a whole lot wrong with the inner workings of Cuba at the time of the revolution. Uh, their, their literacy rate. I, I know they tout the 100% right now, but the, the literacy rate, from what I'm reading, was was right at 80%. Once you get to 80%, the last 20% isn't all that hard. Their their uh, per capita income was like fifth in the Caribbean region. Uh, they mm -hmm. were they were they were a, a top three exporter of of sugar. They were doing an awful lot right. Now, Batista was a bad guy, uh, no doubt. Uh, but he was he was you know he was our bad guy so you have to give him some credit for that. Um, 
but um, but but the revolution happened, and people lost their homes and lost their farms and lost their businesses, and they are stewing over some sort of of reparations or fix or uh, some sort of justice for their for their now sixty year old claims. Um, and we look to the Middle East, and you know some of the same claims over Israel are, are are existent in Palestine right now. That that Israel was carved out, and people lost their homes, and people lost their businesses. And if we can't be, if we if we're not going to be sympathetic to the people with their 80 year old claims, close to 80 year old claims in the Middle East over Israel and Palestine then we ought to, in the interest of let's find some sort of lasting peace, then Joe's right. We need to, you know, we, we need to tell, it's just like just like the people who, who held bonds in GM and the Obama administration told them, guess what, fellas, you're going to have to take a haircut. You are not first in line anymore because we're saving this, this, this company. Um, so the same thing may very well apply that we, have, that we have to tell Cuban families who are in exile and want their stuff back Guess what? You're not going to get it. Reparations just don't happen in the real world. Let me ask you a quick question about this, guys, before we wrap things up. It seems that um, the lieutenant governor of the state of Florida has been out today uh, pitching the concept that he should be the representative from the United States at Fidel Castro's funeral. What do you think about that one? Should he? Um, I don't have a, I got to be honest with you. I don't really have a strong opinion about that. I think it's kind of arrogant. <laughs> um, uh, Carlos Lopez Cantera is who you're talking about. Right. And he obviously has designs on removing the lieutenant part of his title and becoming governor. <laughs> um, but uh, that's, that's. Um, uh, well, he know, says he can, as a Cuban American, he can be the person to reach out. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm, you know, I I'm, know, I'm, I know. I'm reporting the news and, um, well, and, and, and I'm commenting yeah, I, on it. I Go can, ahead, Tom. I can think of I can think of worse picks, um, mm-hmm. but boy, this is it. Just seems unseemly to me the way the way people are waving their hands at the at the Trump administration and and, and the and the Obama administration in, in this case. Pick me, pick me. You know, Rudy's saying, pick me. I I, I make a great uh, Secretary of State, and 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 the Lieutenant Governor Carlin. I've met him a few times. I think he's a good guy. I think he's sharp. I think he's bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he has a real future in in Florida politics. But I, I Joe's right. I mean, this is just—it's kind of just weird that he's throwing up his hand and saying, "Pick me, pick me." All the, what I think is this is not done with any expectation that he will be the guy, but only with the idea of of putting down a marker, uh, reminding uh, Cuban Americans. Uh, Cuban Floridians, when he does run for the nomination at some point, can he, can he beat Adam? I don't know. Um, no, he can't. Yeah, I mean, can Will beat? No. Um, 
Can Will Weatherford beat Adam? I just, I, I anyway, we're getting distracted. We're coming close to the yeah. end of this thing. I, I just think it's, it's, it's a weird thing to do. Um, but that's politics in 2016. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I just thought, you know, obviously there aren't a lot of people lining up to take that job to run to, uh, to Havana to go to the, the funeral. But I, I just thought it was a bit interesting that, uh, you know, that he had, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that uh, G- uh, Lieutenant Governor Lopez Quintero had made that uh, suggestion, I guess would be the best way of putting it. Um, that he would uh, be happy to do it. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, being happy to attend a funeral is not necessarily the best way to put it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, it's been such a weird year that, you know, I guess being happy to to be anywhere, I suppose, is, is a good thing. Well, now, now what was what was it um, uh, Samuel Clements said once upon a time uh, he says he didn't celebrate any man's passing, but there were some obituaries that he took delight <laughs> in reading. Maybe that's what the lieutenant governor right. meant. I'm happy to go to Fidel Castro's funeral, baby. Yeah, pick me. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. maybe also he go, took the um, Yogi Berra idea, and that is don't you know always go to other people's funerals if you want them to come to yours. <sighs> That's right. So maybe that's what it was. Anyway. All right. Um, and with that somber note, obviously, uh, and we're hoping now that neither of us gets struck by lightning in the next 35 seconds. Um, let's go with closing remarks, guys, and um, and social media. Um, Tom, you, you uh, just weighed in so nicely using a Samuel Clements quote so you know i, I could think points. of daniel clements i couldn't think of mark twain are you kidding me <laughs> my brain is my brain is just going well um, that was that was the other guy we, yes yeah we didn't talk about the crazy tweet that um the okay. donald trump i mean it's like it's, it's like bad, good trump bad trump jekyll and hyde trump that yeah. this crazy tweet that he that he sent out uh this morning tuesday morning about just unsolicited about hey, if anybody burns the American flag, they ought to either they ought to be punished, uh, either by losing their citizen citizenship or maybe a year in jail. What what is he thinking? What kind of a? I mean, he's 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 getting really good press on on his on on his picks. Generally speaking, the 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 uh, transition seems to be moving along fairly nicely. But this is this is two crazy tweets in a week. Uh, that are that are distracting and giving people pause and and arming uh, arming critics who say, well, you know, there are lots of ways to remove the guy, and, and, and impeachment is one, and a uh, the the I guess the twenty fifth the twenty fifth amendment talking about succession is another. Yeah. Uh, we could we could declare the guy incompetent. Maybe we're going to. I mean, he may be declared incompetent even before he takes the oath. Uh, talking about. Taking people's citizenship away if they burn the American flag, not to mention all the other uh, First Amendment problems that that, that brings up. But um, maybe the new AG should give him a call and let him know uh, that uh, somebody should say, you know, you, and, and and Morning Joe, they were talking about, you know, that was just a five to four decision. It could go back the other way. And it was also pointed out that 
uh, Hillary Clinton was the Democrat sponsor of a bill in, in 2005 right. as a senator that would have criminalized certain abuses of the American flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like it's – I mean it's, it's a popular thing to do that we would like to round up people and smack them around and, 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 and punish them if they burn the American flag. But the First Amendment's a little, little bit too too sacred to me to even begin to entertain that. Anyway, uh, my social media, Tom Jackson's social media, Tom Jackson, journalist entrepreneur on Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas Jacks Tampa, T H O M A S J A X Tampa. No doubt that you'll be getting a lot of flag burning um, information in the next couple of days on that social media. Oh, looking forward to that. Looking forward to it, yes. <laughs> All right, Joe Henderson, what's up? Well, um, thank you, Tom, for reminding me of, of Mr. Trump's tweet on that subject. Um, I, I wish I could give proper credit to the person that came up with this tweet, but um, they know who they are. And um it was a person that sent out saying that uh, henceforth uh, the president-elect uh, Trump should not be allowed to tweet without adult supervision. <laughs> and um, we're going to – I wonder if we're going to wake up in the middle of the night sometime to find out that Donald Trump has started World War III with a tweet. Uh, it's – I'm not ruling it out. but. Uh, what I'm going to be watching is the uh, down on my knees praying to the Almighty that Rudy Giuliani does not get Secretary of State, or that World War III may come sooner than we than we thought. Um, I, that's what I'm going to be watching most of all. Who's who's Donald Trump going to choose? Where when does the white puff of smoke come up, and we figure out. Um, the identity of the person who arguably would be the second most important person in the administration. Um, so, you know, Rudy, no, Mitt, yes. That's that's kind of where I'm at at this point. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Joe Henderson, commentary columns and such. Or if you want to go on Twitter, you can find me at J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. Very good, gentlemen. and. Um... Brings to an end another edition of the Politically Incorrect podcast. I, um, I think I too will be watching and finding out. I think that the, I'll let I'll close with a line that I wish I had said, but I'll give it to credit to Joe Biden who did say it, and that is pretty much every line uttered by Rudy Giuliani contains a noun, a verb, and nine eleven. So. Pretty much says all you need to know about the former mayor of uh, of New York, and, and I, I have a question: If the recount yeah. is uh, shows that there were problems and is is successful, can we have Biden be the president? I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. Um, Please. Um, I don't. I'm pretty sure this one's the done deal at this point. Um, I don't think we're allowed to have Biden as president, but he probably will be uh, on the um, on the talk circuit. So chances are you're going to see him at a, a comedy club or a night spot near you. So 
the one-liners of Joe Biden will continue. They just won't continue in the, uh, from the vice president's role. So well, anyway. John Stewart, where are you when we need you? <laughs> right, exactly. He's, uh, he's probably sitting at home wondering, why did I quit um, at this point? Anyway, uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys. And uh, next time around, I'm sure that we'll have uh, more people to talk about. Hopefully, we can talk about uh, Secretary of State Mitt Romney and find out if indeed – um, you know, too many of the super conservative are not pleased with him, and and uh, we'll see how that plays. But anyway, thanks for everybody for listening. Thanks, of course, to Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson for being part of this politically incorrect podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. Have a lovely evening.